0: This episode of Sauce Mama is brought to you by Dairy Farmer's A2 goodness plus prebiotic milk. We've heard a lot about the importance of good gut bugs, but what these tiny organisms eat to survive is just as vital. They feed on prebiotics. And a super easy way to get prebiotics into your kid's diet is through the milk they drink. Containing only the A2 protein plus added prebiotics dairy farmers a2 goodness plus prebiotics is goodness from free roaming pasture raised cows dairy farmers here's to good we invite you to join the most exclusive inclusive club for special needs mamas sauce mama unapologetically candid uncut and heartbreakingly real whilst uniting elevating and fiercely empowering Join the greatest pride of lionesses ever to have walked the earth at sourcemama.com.au. Or Instagram or Facebook follow at Sourcemama. Hello, I'm Rachel Williams, and today I'm talking with Melanie Dimmett, who is a freelance arts, lifestyle, and business journalist living in Sydney. Her son Arlo has cerebral palsy, and her experiences of becoming a special needs mum led her to write special an uplifting, candid companion for parents in the early stages of navigating their child's disability. Hello, Melanie. Welcome. Hi, Rachel. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, our absolute pleasure. Tell me all about life in Sydney at the moment with beautiful Arlo. How's he
1: going? He's nearly five. He is. He'll be five in March. Look, we're really busy but good I obviously need to update my bio there because we actually moved to barrel so we're not technically in Sydney anymore we're about an hour or so south in the southern highlands we've gone country which I never thought I'd say in my life but COVID hit and all of Arlo's many therapy appointments went uh, to the telehealth format and we realized that we didn't need to live up the road from his main therapy center and we could move somewhere where we could afford to rent a bigger and flatter house, which is much more appropriate for wow, us. are
0: living the country life.
1: We are, and you know what? I love it and I can't believe it, but it's just, it's easier. And I think when you've got kids, as you would well know, with three boys, you just have to go to whatever is easiest. And Absolutely. And this is definitely a lot easier <laughs> here.
0: <laughs> so tell me a little bit about Arlo. When did you find out that he, he had cerebral palsy?
1: So when he was six months old was when we got his official cerebral palsy diagnosis. Um, He had a really crappy birth, emergency caesarean, during which he was deprived of oxygen and this meant that he got brain damage to the motor section of his brain. Um, So he spent his first week in the NICU and the specialists said to us, you know, he seems really fine, he's engaged, he's beautiful, so you'll just have to watch and wait and see what happens here. They said, You know worst case scenario it could be cerebral palsy but i just let that go straight over my head i was like i don't know what that is i don't want to know what that is that certainly won't be happening to us or to my son uh but then six months later after not hitting any of his sort of gross motor milestones so he didn't roll over he didn't sit he was gorgeous and smiling engaged as ever but um yeah it didn't hit any motor milestones and at 6 months that's when we got the cerebral palsy diagnosis
0: yeah right how did that make you feel having had that initial reaction that it wasn't going to happen to you and i'm just thinking now personally i've got a nearly 5 year old boy as well and and he was born by a scary emergency caesar and and he's um, typical young young boy like how did that How did you react?
1: Yeah, I wasn't happy, um, but I was also very (laughs) much still. I was so unaccepting of the diagnosis that I really clung to denial, which is obviously, you know, a stage that you naturally have in processing unexpected news. Um, uh, So I can't tell you the amount of times I Googled cerebral palsy misdiagnosis and I'd try and find stories where this had happened to someone but everything had still been absolutely fine. So I was clinging desperately you know, to denial and just saying to myself, this can't be happening, this can't be happening. But, you know, once you do get a medical diagnosis and I, you know, I could see with my own eyes that he wasn't doing the same things as his little peers, I knew, you know, we were traveling a different path. And there was a lot of sadness and a lot of fear that I was experiencing because of that.
0: And so you've obviously gone on to write your book special, which is a much-loved companion for a lot of parents. Um, Obviously, your background as a journalist helped with that, but was writing a cathartic thing for you?
1: Oh, heck yes. It was deciding to write... A book. Well, initially, I sort of was pretending I was writing a book just as an excuse to talk to other parents. So I interviewed more than 50 parents all over the world raising kids with all kinds of disabilities who were a bit further along in the journey than I was. And I just said to them, you know, help me. How the hell did you get through these early weeks and months, you know, of so much fear and so many unknowns? What did you do, you know, to help yourself? Because there's a lot of resources and things out there around sort of what to do for your kid in terms of therapies and things like that but I couldn't find much to help me as a parent going through this emotional roller coaster that I was so it was really just an excuse to talk to other parents in a one-sided style of an interview where I wouldn't have to share too much of what I was personally going through and I could just get lost in their stories and you know obtain the information I wanted from them and sort of scurry away um But when the parents were sort of saying similar things and despite, you know, being in vastly different scenarios with very different kids, you know, there was a real shared experience of the emotions we go through and of the strategies that sort of work um, to help you cope in the beginning. And I thought "Mm, there might actually be something here. So I did start uh, writing the book and then pitched it around to some publishers and it got picked up. I got a book deal much quicker than I expected from a, a gorgeous publisher uh in sydney so then um having only written about 20 percent of it i then had to produce the rest of it very quickly (laughs) in about six months straight after we'd had our daughter odette so most of my mat leave with her was spent frantically trying to write this book but yet we we pulled it off as a family and now it's out there
0: wow no baby brain for you then by the sounds of it during that journey what was um (laughs) what was the biggest thing you actually learnt while you were writing it
1: I guess the the best coping strategy I learned was to stay in the moment. I think a lot of the fear I was having around Arlo's diagnosis was not knowing what the future would hold for him. And my experience and knowledge of disability then was nothing. I was so ignorant. So I was sort of inventing all of these horrible scenarios in my mind about what our future would look like and how you know Arlo would have a miserable life and he wouldn't be able to do anything and I was just completely freaking myself out and sending myself into this sort of really miserable place and you know whereas in reality in front of me I had this beautiful baby who was smiley and gorgeous and he was loving life and we were being proactive we were doing all the early intervention and the things that he needed so there was absolutely no need to be in this really horrible place that I was. So parents just said, just stop. You know, if, if this has taught you anything, it's that, you know, anything can happen to you, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. It's not necessarily the nightmare scenario you think it is. So just stay in the moment and try and stay focused on your child and don't disappear into, you know, terrible rabbit holes on Google. So yeah, I think just staying in the day really helped me and that's something that's helped me just generally in life anyway you know we're all supposed to be a bit more mindful and things but yeah I guess also the real message that was coming through from all of these parents is you know it will be okay you know I know you feel like rubbish now that you won't feel this way forever this will be okay and this will feel normal to you one day
0: and so I know that everyone says oh you can't change the past and and what have you but Was that the theme that really struck a chord with you the most that you had to move forward for yourself and for Arlo?
1: Yeah, absolutely. But I also felt like I I had permission to to wallow a little bit. You know, you feel so guilty for feeling bad about your little baby or, you know, for having any negative feelings toward, you know, your experience of parenthood. And I think speaking to other parents and hearing that, yes, they too felt really shit at the start of this my apologies if i'm not allowed to swear on this you podcast, are allowed to but, um, swear go for uh, it <laughs> thank goodness yeah so other parents saying you know what the start is shit the start is really hard and there'll be moments throughout this entire experience that are undeniably unfair and awful and but that's okay because it's not always like that and you know the good stuff that you get the the incredible learning and the way that your eyes are open to the world and you sort of you just really realize what matters in life And my god it's not it's not walking and talking necessarily you know they are not essential ingredients for happiness um but yeah i think you know I did learn that I would move on, but I also learned that it was okay to feel the way I was feeling at the time, and that was really helpful for me.
0: And has that been the main reaction of people who have read the book and given you feedback? Their reaction?
1: Yes, they've said sort of me too, you know, and I think at the start you can feel really alone, you can feel like you're the only person in the whole world that this is happening to and that is experiencing this, and then to read, you know, 50 plus parents all saying I was there I felt that too Um, but you know we're happy now and we're carving out beautiful and interesting lives I think that's been a real comfort for people.
0: So the overwhelming support and um, I suppose um, interest in special hasn't surprised you then by the sounds of it?
1: Oh it has Has I mean this has all been (laughs) because I wrote it for me you know at a time when I was feeling quite alone. And I just made exactly the book that I needed that ticked all the boxes, you know, all the areas that I was struggling with. Um, and I guess, you know, there's always the fear that you'll, when you create anything, there's always a huge amount of fear that you'll put it out and it will just no not one will land like well it. or people won't <laughs> get it. And, you know, it has, it's been overwhelmingly positive feedback um, that there have been the odd, you know, uh, disability activists don't, Necessarily like it when you say that your child um, has been given a diagnosis and that you feel sad about that, but I think you know there's an acknowledging that like my feelings changed. Like yes, I felt rubbish at the start, but I feel entirely differently now. It's just a matter of going through the process and learning and growing, and I think that that's been quite valuable for people to see that evolution. And but no, the feedback's been great, and I guess what has surprised me the most is the feedback from. Um, specialists and doctors working in the space and working in hospitals and how they've responded to it. And they've, you know, they've sort of said it's been so valuable to get this insight into the parent experience, because they just want to help us. They just want to say the right thing. They just want to make, you know, our experience as a parent in the disability space easier. Um, So they've found it really valuable too, which is very exciting for me.
0: So now that you're living in the rural retreat of Barrel, are you going to change from being a journalist to becoming an author, a full-time author?
1: Oh, I don't I don't think so. I don't know. It's funny with special everyone's like, when's the sequel? And I'm like, my God, I kind of hope I'm never in a position where I feel like I have to pump out a book as a as a solution for myself again. You know, it was it was kind of desperate um my process of getting that book out there. I just needed it so much and I kind of hope I'm never in a situation again where I feel the need to write an entire book but who knows I think I might just need um a bit of space from I've been you know I've been ghostwriting um another book for someone and that process has been a lot more pleasant (laughs) for me it's been lovely sort of working in a team um, to produce that and I'm still you know I still love writing my articles and I'm uh doing some work for a fantastic um disability support organization called higher up that is just helping me see you know how wonderful the future for Arlo is going to be and I'm finding that just I love that work so I'm writing you know things I did not think I'd be writing and in spaces and industries I never thought I'd be writing in but it all makes sense now and I love the variety of all of that
0: you mentioned while you were writing special that you were um, you just had your daughter Odette who's now two and a half is that right yeah, she'll be three in January, so I think we can say almost three now. Almost three. Good, wow. Good so you've you nearly <laughs> yeah.
1: survived the terrible twos? Well done. Oh, the threes seem worse though. I'm <laughs> hearing about this whole teenager thing. I think they just say the terrible twos just to get us through that part, but I think she's getting worse. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> how how did you feel
0: when you decided to have another baby, knowing what you'd been through and the trauma of the emergency Caesar and and that fear of, of the unknown with Arlo? Was that
1: a, a big decision to make? I was shit scared. We, <laughs> luckily, it was a quick decision we had to make because I think if we had to sit on it for a while, we might not have gone there. Um, when they did the emergency um, C-section with Arlo, they found a lump on my left ovary that turned out to be precancerous. So six weeks after we had Arlo, I had to go into hospital and have my left ovary and fallopian tube removed. And my beautiful um, gynecologist oncologist who I check in with to keep an eye on that every year or so uh, said to me at the time that you will need to get your other ovary out. um, So you need to complete your family as soon as possible. So with all of this (laughs) diagnosis and everything going on, Ro and I had to quickly decide whether or not we wanted to have more children. Um, But both he and I have a sibling each who we're very close to. So we thought, you know, what, let's Let's give it a go. We are very lucky the first time around we got pregnant straight away. Um let's give it a go. See what happens. And we we sort of knew that even if things didn't go by the book, you know, even if this next baby something happened, we we knew that we could handle it. Um but honestly, I just think we didn't think about it much. We were just lucky again fell pregnant really quickly. Um the pregnancy was not fun, you know, even a bit, you know, what happened with Arlo was a fluke. Like there was nothing to say that it would happen again it was a real mystery um, but of course once you know that things don't always go the way you think they will you're very scared so we were terrified the whole way through that pregnancy it was really nice because I got to be awake I was um, under general for Arlo whereas this time you know I um, was numb from the
0: yeah boobs down work, or whatever really. but I got
1: I got to see her come out I got yeah. to hold her on my chest and it was wonderful
0: so we're doing all of this time of you know the unknown and and having that cancer fear as well where did you find your strength
1: it's funny the cancer thing didn't even touch the sides I think we were just in this sort of fuzzy bubble of newborn with Arlo still and it's it just it didn't even seem like that big a deal I know it sounds horrific but we were like all right I'll just go back in and sort that out um I guess you know my strength came from the huge amount of support we had around us Um, you know I was lucky Ro was able to take the first six weeks of Arlo's life off work so he was around and even after that um, Ro works in the media too he's a journalist working in newspapers and his shifts are all in the afternoon and evening so you know we'd always have mornings and a lot lot of the day together and Ro's been able to come along to all of the appointments all of the therapies whereas I know for a lot of mums you know their partner is at work so they have to go through a lot of these things themselves, And I think that would be a very different experience. So, yeah, I guess I was very lucky to have that support and our family and friends come around us at that time. And so now um, with you both working and, and two young
0: children, how do you actually make time for yourself to make sure your mental health remains in the right space to be able to provide the love and care you need to for Alo and Odette?
1: I'm fiercely protective of my me time which isn't much but you know when you sort of feel that you're on the edge a little bit I'll just say okay I need to do my online bar class today or I need to do my 10 minute walk just a 10 minute walk um, we're lucky now we live in such gorgeous surrounds you walk out the door and you've got trees and green fields and cows and I think all that all those visuals are very good for your mental health that I sort of knew even before we had Arlo and I knew that we'd um, be having a, you know, a different parenting experience. I always thought, you know, I can only really do this parenting thing if I can still be me, if I can still do the things I need to do that make me, me like work and do, you know, a little bit of self-care, have my glass of wine at the end of the day, <laughs> um, read a few pages of a book each day. So it was kind of a deal I made with myself and with Rowan before we even <laughs> entered this journey that I was like, yes, I'm not just going to be a slave to my child. I will need some time for me as well because I know how important that is for my own mental health and then as a knock-on effect for the health of our family.
0: Absolutely. And now that you've you've been able to relocate from the hustle and bustle of Sydney, is that post-COVID world for Arlo and his therapy and treatments that will be fine moving forward and staying where you are? Oh, honestly the
1: the COVID world I mean I hope we're in a post-COVID world now but who knows but COVID was good to us um you know Arlo was getting very sick we had him in daycare three days a week and every cold and virus that you know any typically developing child would just sort of sail through. He'd wind up in hospital with pneumonia and chest infections. We had about 10 or 11 um, few night stays in RPA last year, which, you know, was, again, it sounds terrible, but in practice it was fine. They were lovely to us. It was almost like a little bit of a holiday once Arlo was sort of stable and settled. Um, That, you know, COVID has just meant that everyone is super careful now with their hygiene and hand washing. So Arlo has been well um he's stronger and you know better than he's been in his whole life now and the move has been wonderful for us we have more space the kids each have their own bedroom which means more sleep for them more sleep for us uh we've been you know enrolling Arlo in preschool for next year which was a process I kind of kicked off in the city but it didn't go anywhere but here You know, I've had three wonderful um, people in the education world here just jump on us and take care of everything and guide us through the process. And he'll be going to a specialized school and also a mainstream uh, preschool next year, getting the best of of both worlds. There's a huge community of families um, with kids with disabilities around us, which I just didn't anticipate being here. We have a wonderful support worker for Arlo here. So I kind of always feared that if we moved out of the cities, we'd lose the support and the facilities. But we're actually finding it's better out here. And Arlo is better. He's got sparkly eyes and rosy cheeks. And I think we all do, to be honest. It really suits us, this country living.
0: Well, even though you said you didn't think there'd be a sequel, it sounds as though you might be able to put some words together about the move to the country, the escape to the country.
1: Yeah, maybe it's funny. I was thinking if I was to do, you know, I don't know if special, I don't know if a special sequel would work, but my interests are moving more into the kind of the advocacy world and sort of learning more about adults living with disability. So I'm thinking more, more that way, I guess, and more that sort of writing rather than the parent experience. Yeah, but who knows? I'm leaving it open and just seeing, seeing what happens for now.
0: Wonderful. It sounds like you've got the fresh air to, to feed the inspiration anyway.
1: Oh, yes, absolutely.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today, Millie. It's been lovely to speak with you.
1: We look forward to following your journey and Arlo's
0: journey into the future.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having
0: me. Our pleasure. Well, thank you so much for listening, everyone. I'm Rachel Williams. It's been lovely to bring you this episode of Source Mama. If you enjoyed this chat and want to hear more, you can check out our other episodes with more coming very soon. There is also plenty more inspo over at sourcemama.com.au and, of course, follow us on Insta and Facebook and we even have a private Facebook group just for members. It's just us and your supportive community and we invite you to join the most exclusive, inclusive club of special needs mummers. thanks for listening this episode of Source mama is brought to you by dairy farmers a2 goodness plus prebiotic milk we've heard a lot about the importance of good gut bugs but what these tiny organisms eat to survive is just as vital they feed on prebiotics and a super easy way to get prebiotics into your kids diet is through the milk they drink Containing only the A2 protein plus added prebiotics, Dairy Farmers A2 goodness plus prebiotics is goodness from free-roaming pasture-raised cows. Dairy Farmers, here's to good.